Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. I've been through the ringer with Indochino, and I've left feeling confident and looking great. Plus, you get to personalize all the details, including your lapel, lining, and your own monogram. Art Barrett's brand new collection with Indochino just dropped, featuring limited edition fabrics and jacket linings, and RJ helped pick out the design himself. Indochino's process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering BlueWire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. It's an incredible deal for me to measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. Blue wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot.
And on that note, we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can get me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at UndercoverGreg. Joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Matt Siegel. You might know him on Twitter as Showtime himself. Get his picks at Showtime Cappers. It is week 11 in the National Football League, week 12 in the college football playoff, or in the college football, I should say, college football playoff rankings. Second week out, some more drama with a new number four, and and we'll certainly discuss the weekend in college football as well. The National Basketball Association has um, quite a few games to look at on Friday night. Some college basketball as well. We're kicking it all around here on Full Slate. Matt, always good to have you on board. How are we doing? Greg, what's going on, man? Real excited to be back. As always, you know, the weekend podcast honestly is my favorite because we get to chop up five different sports. NBA, college basketball, NHL, college football, NFL. What a time to be alive, Greg. How are you doing? Yeah, no, you're, you, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean... College basketball, a couple weeks old now. And, um, of course, the NBA season also approaching about a month now in the books. And uh, the National Hockey League been going on for over a month. So there's so nice much to see to go. Paul George back on the court. Exactly. He made his season debut last night for the L.A. Clippers. Uh, so there's a lot going on. And, and all that means is more opportunities to make some money, right? Greg, the more that goes on, in my mind, that just means the more markets that are available, which, like you said, the more opportunity to find value. And when finding value, we turn that into money-making opportunities. So let's get down to the brass tacks, Greg. Who are you playing today on the NBA hardwood? Yeah, you know, nothing official here, but uh, I am going to look towards – uh, the Golden State Warriors as an eight point. Greg, I need one. On, I need one official play on the air. I need one official play. You need one official play. I need one official on the air. Wow. Okay. You know what? That was the first area that I looked at, and and I'll just stick with the home team getting eight points. The Golden State Warriors at home, eight point dog. Uh, I think that sooner rather than later, you're going to start to see some more, uh, you know, some serious effort from them, and 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 I think. Just as an organization, too much pride to completely fold. Uh, and, you know, at times, uh, particularly in quarters two and three against the Lakers, they hung tough. Uh, they just got off to a slow start and, and they played a poor fourth quarter. So I'll, I'll look to the Warriors to string together uh, a, a longer uh, stretch of, of good basketball enough to stay inside the eight against Boston. Yeah, I mean, I mean, tough on the stomach there, honestly. I mean, one of the worst teams in the NBA going up against one of the best teams in the NBA. But nonetheless, like you said, at home, grabbing eight points. And these are still NBA players out here, so I don't hate it. You know, I actually really don't love the Friday slate on the NBA, but I do have one play. And I'm looking at the Orlando Magic at home uh, against a, a team, uh, a San Antonio Spurs team that has been struggling one in four in their last five. And it's real interesting to note the way they lost these games, they just absolutely play no defense. 129 points to the Wolves, 113 points to the Grizzlies, 135 to the Celtics. I mean, they beat the Thunder, but they still let the Thunder score 112. 
Then the Hawks won away. My point is, in the last five games, they haven't held their opponent to under 108 points. I mean, and then go back to, you know, to two games prior, they, they lose to the Lakers. So they're one in six in their last, um, excuse me, one in five in their last six games. Game before that, they let up 110 to the Warriors, although they won, still let up 110. My point is their defense uh, has been struggling all year. This is an Orlando Magic team that I understand they beat the 76ers without Joel Embiid. Nonetheless, they beat them. And although it was a close game, they beat them handily in the last six, eight minutes. I saw a lot of fight out of the Orlando Magic. They end up winning that game by 15. And frankly, they, 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 they play tough, close games even when they don't win. I mean, they lose by seven points to a Pacers team. They lose by one on the road to a Mavs team. Uh, and that was the second game of a back-to-back. And then they lost by, you know, just eight on the road to the Thunder. Now, this Magic team isn't very good, I understand, but this is more of a fade on the Spurs and the basketball that they've been playing in the past week. I just I just see a lot of dysfunction out of DeMar DeRozan there. And I think uh, Vucevic will do well in his matchup against LaMarcus Aldridge. And I, I like the Magic here, minus three points. Yeah, no, I, I, I like your handicap there. Uh, interesting little tidbit on the Magic. Uh, one thing that I like to do when handicapping the regular season, I think teams that are in that fringe, you know, 7 through 10 area in the conference are normally good plays. Yeah, I think they, we spoke about that last week, right? We got right. That. They need to win every game to kind of solidify their playoff standings. And a team that I have actually backed a few times of late uh, is the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I think it's a similar kind of thing with a young team and a rookie head coach and John Beeline. They just want to prove themselves a little bit more. So you're always looking for little edges like that early in the regular season in the NBA. And I think the Magic are a team like that. Yeah, I mean, and then we can, you know, just 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 to check up on Saturday. Obviously, can't really get into the weekend too much with no official lines. But we got a big marquee matchup between the Wolves and Rockets. Obviously, both teams have been rolling, so that's a nice matchup. We got a nice Eastern and Western battle between uh, the Raptors and Mavericks, so that that should be a good game on on Saturday. Um, you know, and then we got an interesting game. Obviously, the Clippers should handle the Hawks, but nonetheless, Trey Young is coming to LA, and we would expect to see a show in that game. Flip the page to Sunday. You know, there's really no games that I am uh, getting up and penciling in. Is uh, sitting down on my couch to watch on Sunday. Nothing too exciting. Maybe I guess you can say where the Hawks stay in LA and then they're playing LeBron and you got Trey Young again in LA. But then nonetheless, we we, we check on Monday and then we got a, a, a nice little Western Conference matchup between the Wolves and the Jazz. So we'll keep our eyes on that. And we got another Western Conference matchup between the Spurs and Dallas. We'll keep our eyes on that one as well, especially see how the Spurs fair um the magic and blazers you know before they get that game on monday but can't really touch much base without any lines without these two or three games being played but not the best nba weekend slate we've had better i think that's fair to say and so uh, unless unless you got something to chime in for i think we can move on to the college ranks Uh, i do not know let's quickly keep things moving here and go to college basketball uh, Matt, I do have one spot I'm looking at, but I'll let you go first. College basketball for the weekend. What do you like? It really, college basketball, obviously, two weeks in or a week and a half in, it won't truly start heating up until we see this conference play where then, you know, we have 
Saturdays full of multi-game double-ranked matchups. So unfortunately, this weekend, we actually don't have a contest of two ranked opponents unless something were to dramatically change. Obviously, while we were off the airs, we saw Evansville pull off the stunning Ooh. upset yeah. against Kentucky. I mean, Greg, I had Evansville money line. I don't know about you, but <laughs> um, I, I, I for sure had Evans money line actually uh, a good chunk of change on them. So obviously we're kidding there. None of us played Evansville money line. And if you have an Evansville money line ticket, don't even cash it, honestly. Frame it and hang it up in your house because <laughs> it's honestly it's it's worth more more hanging up in, in a picture frame, in my opinion. Now, to the picks, what everyone cares about, I truthfully don't love anything today. Greg, I, I really don't. And obviously recording on Thursday afternoon, we don't even see all of the lines up for tomorrow. So if you have something, you can take it away because right now the college hoops is not the most exciting for me. I'm more interested when we get into the conference play. Yeah, well, I'll, I will beg to differ there as far as the excitement in college basketball. I think college basketball actually does a really good job of scheduling good non-conference games. I mean, betting, I mean, excuse me, I'm sorry. I mean, the, I mean, the betting-wise for me. Watching, I will. I would love to watch the games. I, but until yeah. I okay, really start digging in, diving into the into, into the heavy amount of plays, it's more it's sure. I, 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 more the bigger games. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I guess my point to that end, we have had – some ranked versus ranked in the non-conference. Oregon and Memphis was a good game earlier this week. Yeah, that was a good classic. One. Um, you know, and Thanksgiving will bring plenty of college basketball as well. Underrated part of the holiday, in my opinion. But as far as a play for this weekend, I actually am going to look to a non-conference game. And uh, I have a buddy that went to Rhode Island, so uh, he keeps me a little plugged in on what's going on with the Rams. But I do like Rhode Island at home, minus one against Alabama. Alabama. Some insider info you got going on here? No, you got no inside you... information. Just just a, a buddy of mine who's an alum of the school and is a big Rhode Island fan. And is he a booster? He is not a booster. No. Well, uh, he should be. <laughs> we'll work on that. That's all I'll say there. Um, but you know, I watched a little bit of Rhode Island last week against Maryland, and for a half, Rhode Island proved to be on the same floor. And, and prove that they belonged. Uh, they were only down three in College Park against a Maryland team that's in the top ten in the country. Uh, and then Maryland pulled away in the second half and ended up winning the game by 18 points. But Rhode Island picked to finish fourth in the Atlantic 10. You, you think about the Atlantic 10 normally is a two to four bid league. So the Rams have a big opportunity here against an SEC school. And also Alabama uh, did not start its season well, losing to the Penn Quakers at home. Uh, First-year coach for Alabama, Nate Oates. Normally, those coaches, it takes a little bit of feeling out with the roster. So only having to lay a point to back a home team in the Atlantic 10, uh, who I think will be pretty motivated to beat an SEC team. I like the Rhode Island Rams for a Friday night college basketball play. Greg, I, you know, I actually I actually lied to you. I, I, I lied. I have one lied. spot that I'm eyeing. <laughs> Yeah, I apologize. I have one spot that I'm eyeing. And again, granted, we are recording on a Thursday afternoon. So let it be known. I expect, this is on Thursday afternoon, before the Scene Hall and Michigan State game, I do slight, I do lean and probably when it gets later in the night, tonight, Thursday, will look to play Scene Hall at the plus five. And now if my play of Scene Hall plus five comes true and Scene Hall looks good and they 
can cover, keep the game close, maybe even pull off the upset against Michigan State. When they then travel to St. Louis on Sunday, I will be looking to fade Cian Hall. This sure. is just a classic perception spot here, right, where Cian Hall at home against number three Michigan State probably, you know, even though it's early in the season, I think we can go on record saying probably what might end up being their biggest game of the season. Yeah, I mean, other than when they play in March Madness, assuming they make it there, you know, I mean, regular season game, this will probably be their biggest. So they're going to yeah, get up for it. Opponent, at, yeah, biggest opponent, big name opponent. They're going to get up for it. So, and they're at home. So it's really easy to, you know, have that emotion not carry over, especially then when you travel to someone else's gym. And on the flip side, if St. Louis, since resting since Wednesday, coming off a nice 20-point easy victory, sees Cian Hall competitive, you know, covers or even knocks off Michigan State, now they're going to think it's their turn to to step up to the challenge. And now, you know, I mean, that, that would be a Cian Hall team that would be sitting at 3-0 and and obviously wouldn't be number 12 anymore. They would probably jump into the top 10, I would imagine, after knocking off number 3 Michigan State. So now this is obviously all contingent on Cian Hall playing a good game, with covering and or beating Michigan State, but we would look to play St. Louis if that were to occur. Otherwise, we would then have to reevaluate uh, the game. And the line would, would indicate uh, how the, the Seton Hall and Michigan State game uh, went as well anyway. But we'll look to that on Sunday, obviously after the result of the Seton Hall and Michigan State game. But just a spot to keep an eye on. Speaking of spots to keep an eye on, uh, we will briefly touch on the ice now where across the National Hockey League, there's actually quite a few teams playing Friday and Saturday. So, uh, Matt, I know that both of us kind of like the back-to-back fades in the NHL, particularly when there's travel involved. And, you know, it makes sense. Normally, you, you get a backup goalie in there, and uh, teams kind of not necessarily going in thinking they're going to lose. But in, in most cases, if you can split your back-to-backs and then uh, – take care of your business when you're not playing back-to-backs, you're going to be in the mix for a playoff spot. So there are quite a few teams, though, in the NHL on back-to-backs uh, worth looking into Friday, Saturday. Yeah, I mean, just to chime in there, I mean, on a Saturday, we got a 15-game slate, right? So would I ever say to blindly bet the the back-to-back road, Faz, I don't have enough um, data on, you know, the 10-year, 15, 20-year on the blind fades of the back-to-back uh, road teams. But what I can tell you is that on a 15-game slate, it's pretty hard to narrow down where you're going to bet. So all I can say is looking to fade a a team on the second game of a back-to-back road spot is not a bad way to narrow down the board, right? So what I would do if you're looking at a 15-game NHL slate, I would look at that. And for me, it would be to fade the back-to-back road team or pass. I would not look to back them. So obviously that would then – probably cut the 15-game slate down in, in half, half yeah. in half right there. So, I mean, that's just a way to – because that's a, that's an important question I get, especially on college basketball and college football. How do you narrow the board down? How do you find this little game where you're – so that's just something that can just automatically narrow it down because because there's so many games on the ice. I don't want to be backing a team that's on a back-to-back road game, so I would look to fade or pass them there. Obviously, no lines for Friday – but keep in mind, like Greg and I said, we would look to fade teams on back-to-back road games with travel factor and or potential backup goalie. But nonetheless, a 15-game slate on Saturday, we will reevaluate um, 
when the lines come out. With that being said, though, let's bring it back to today. Do you have any plays on the ice tonight? A small slate, only only five games, but do you have anything? Nothing official yet um, as far as leans in the NHL for Friday night. I would look to the Toronto Maple Leafs coming off of I was the right there with you, Greg. You, you took it right out of my mouth. It's well, hey, let's go ahead and make it a consensus play or at least a consensus lean. Uh, you know, Toronto coming off of uh, an emotional game against the New York Islanders always is when Tavares goes up against his former team and the Islanders get that one 5-4. It was 5-2 late in the third period and Toronto made it interesting. Now this is playoff revenge for Toronto. They lost. Oh, the- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You you are backing the Maple Leafs here. I am looking at the Maple Leafs. Yeah. Okay, You're looking at Boston. I- I'm actually looking at Boston on the other side, okay. but it'll be a little healthy debate. So you go on and finish yeah, off, and I'll tell you again, why. Just lean right now. I uh, have not played this, but you asked if I have anything I'm looking at. I'm answering the question, uh, and it's Toronto in a playoff revenge spot uh, off of a tough loss against the Islanders. I kind of look for them to get back up, and um, they have not been as steamy out of the gate as they probably would like. So I think they come out and make a little bit of a statement. That would be my lean, though, on this uh, short card for the NHL so far. It's funny that you lean that way because I actually lean the other way. But really for some of the similar reasons, right? So you have the Boston Bruins uh, coming in. is obviously one of the best teams in the NHL, but they've stumbled. They've lost their last four games. And I don't know if you caught the game on Tuesday, but they were up. 4-0 going into the third. Yeah, and allowed the, Panthers, the Panthers. Yeah, yeah. I actually had the Panthers as well that game, plus 140 on the money line outright. But, I mean, to allow four goals unanswered in the third and to lose in a shootout on your home ice is pretty pathetic. But to say that for a team that is as good as the Boston Bruins and after losing four straight and stumbling, I think we can agree that, you know, regression was going to hit them. And I just don't know if regression will hit them for a fifth straight game. So I do actually like them to come out firing um, after that loss and losing a 4-0 game because you're damn sure they had a hard skate around and practice Wednesday morning and into Wednesday and sure. Thursday as well. Not much, but they come in. Um, now, would that lend itself extra- more to playing them in the first period, though? Potentially. Potentially. I more. I really don't look to play – um, first periods as much in the regular season. That's more of a play that I look to play in the playoffs or when the games are or towards the end of the season, they're more intense just because due to, you know, the length of the season, just sure. like the NBA and MLB, it, it, I'm not saying it's, 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 it's random to be winning in the first period, but this is still Boston Bruins team who they could be due for more regression. So I wouldn't look to play them in the first period here. And that's more, I would look to play, like I said, first period come playoff time. But for now, I, I, I lean the, the Boston Brewers on the money line, but nothing official. Let's take a break, and we'll come back and get into the college gridiron on the other side. You're listening to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. 
The doctor will work with you to find your best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is easy. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. Humans have been shaving for thousands of years. And the secret to a great shave? Well, it hasn't changed much. The ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters. Sharp, durable blades at a fair price. I've gone with Harry's to shave, and I really haven't had many complaints, so I don't think you should either. Harry's is a return to the essential. Quality, durable blades at a fair price. Just $2 per blade. They've cut out the middleman, manufacturing blades in their German blade factory that's been honing precision blades for a century. Which means you get incredibly high-quality blades at factory direct prices. Harry's is super convenient. Blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription. And there's no risk for you for trying them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Listeners of Full Slate can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with a low to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to start shaving better today. And we're back on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Greg Frank, at Undercover Greg, Matt Siegel, at Showtime Cappers is where you can find our gambling picks. Matt, college football week 12, NFL week 11. We're going to start with college football. And, you know, before we begin to go through our picks, it's worth noting that, and we talked about this off the air, there are still so much to be decided. And still so much that is up in the air here where it might be the middle of November, but we might be looking at on Tuesday when the college football playoff committee puts out its third set of rankings. We might be looking at our third different combination of the top four. That's how crazy this can get. And, you know, there's just a lot to still unpack. And I'm fascinated to see where the conversation shifts to after this weekend in college football. Yeah, I mean, there's tons of scenarios, obviously, still still open and a lot of college football to be played. And it's funny, I say a lot with only two or three weeks, but obviously then the championship games, there's just so many different scenarios with with the games and who plays each other that, you know, already from last week to this week, it's a different four teams. So I'm interested to see by the time we're on next Friday, if it's a whole nother four different teams I really don't know at this point, Greg, because everyone, even all the four teams, they still have to, you know, get that next win. I don't think that yeah, any I mean, team even, is locked in. Even, yeah, right. I mean, even LSU has to play an SEC championship game. And theoretically, if they play Georgia and lose, 
they can they're probably okay, but you never know. I mean, we don't know how things are going to look between now and then. And Ohio State has been dominant, but they still got to play Penn State, and they still have a Big Ten championship. So, um, you know, I, I it, it, there's a lot to still unpack, as I said. And uh, you know, I guess that takes me right into our first pick or my first pick. Um, and it's actually involving a team in the college football playoff discussion that lost last week, and that is the Penn State Nittany Lions. They're at home against the Indiana Hoosiers. Penn State laying 14.5 in this one, total of 54.5. Uh, Penn State obviously off of that loss against Minnesota. And having said that, everything's still right in front of Penn State. If Penn State wins out, they're going to be the Big Ten champs, and they're going to be in the college football playoff. You, you can book that because that would include a win next week at Columbus. So everything's still right in front or at Ohio State in Columbus. So everything's still right in front of Penn State. But at the same time, that's why I think even though they lost last week, I think there's some look-ahead potential here for Penn State to the big showdown with Ohio State next week. Interestingly enough, I looked back under James Franklin, Penn State, after a loss, 3-13-2 against the spread so clearly, that is a sign of a team that seems to not quite pick itself back up right away. And I'm thinking that that will carry itself over here against Indiana, at least enough for the Hoosiers to stay inside the big number. I like Indiana plus the 14 and a half. Let's not forget, and Indiana obviously not in the college football playoff discussion, but you're an IU alum, and they're having a pretty nice season. And wouldn't they love to at least go there and show the country? Because a lot of people are going to be watching this game. This is one of the big early games. I'm sure they'd love to show the country that Indiana football is making some nice strides. And we looked at their schedule before we hopped on. Nothing really impressive yet about the opponents that they've beaten. So this is a chance for Indiana to really prove that their program's going in the right direction. I think they really get up for this game. Hoosiers plus 14 and a half. Greg, I can never say ne- I can never say no, excuse me, when you are betting on um, my alma mater. So I will give you the go-ahead. And I do like that game with a slight look ahead to Ohio State next week. I think the back door is certainly in play um, in this game with Indiana and Penn State. But let's move on, Greg. And sure. I'm keeping us in the Big Ten. And Greg, this is a really quick handicap, and you might laugh, and anyone out there might laugh. I have absolutely no clue um, why one and eight Northwestern is minus forty points against one and nine UMass, and I and I'm simply just rolling with it, Greg. I'm really not questioning anything. I'm just taking the chalk. I'm taking Northwestern minus forty. It just jumps out to me when a one sure. and eight team is playing a one and nine team, and now they are minus forty points. This is <laughs> oh. a Northwestern team, Greg. This is a Northwestern team. Can they that- score forty? Greg, that's what I was about to say. So in their last five games, you know how many points they've scored? They haven't even scored 40 in their last five games. They've scored 38 points in their last five games combined. So I I, I can't seem to figure out why they're minus 40 other than the fact of that they are minus 40 for a reason. And simply, I'm rolling with it for a one-unit play. Yeah, no, I I don't hate it. You know, I mean, so much of betting is not falling for these traps and – 
Yeah, right. I mean, you look at these two teams with identical records and see a line that big. Certainly, even though UMass is a mess in an, in its own right, for sure, it, it's certainly tempting to take all those points. So I, I definitely don't hate your play uh, not falling for what looks like it could be a little bit of a trap. Let's move forward in the early window, go to the SEC, uh, and obviously I am going to look at the Alabama Crimson Tide as they have a, uh, you know, I guess we could say it's, a, I guess they're all big games at this point in the year, but uh, nonetheless, Alabama is going on the road to Starkville to play Mississippi State. Mississippi State in 18 and a half point underdog total of 61. I like a side and the total here. I'm taking Mississippi State plus 18 and a half and I'm taking the game under 61. Here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing an Alabama team that did not play well defensively last week against LSU. And obviously a lot of that is also a credit to Joe Burrow. He's probably going to win the Heisman. But I think this is very simple for Alabama. They know their offense is good. They know that they have big playmakers on offense between Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy, and Henry Ruggs. We all know that. So this is, let's fix our defense, which means let's screw it on straight on that side of the ball. And I think that's where you see more of the effort from Alabama. So I like the game under for that reason. Tua, we don't really know. You know, how healthy is he? He didn't look 100% last week. Another reason why I think they take it pretty conservatively on offense. Then, with a line this big, if you like the under, you always have to think it's going to be somewhat correlated to the dog. And simply put, it hasn't been a good year for Mississippi State. I bet them under seven and a half wins, and I am going to cash that ticket. And you consider that this is their national championship, and I think that there's a chance that you get an Alabama team. I looked this up too, pretty interesting. Under Saban, uh, since 2008, off a loss. Obviously, they don't lose many games. Three and seven against the spread, Alabama, in games off a loss. What does that tell me? Normally, the games they lost, it really takes the soul out of them, and it crushes their spirit a little bit. And yes, Alabama, maybe still a chance they get in the college football playoff, but I do think that there is going to be some of that spirit-crushing element that I hit on, which is why I don't think they get the appropriate margin in a game I think will be low-scoring anyway. Mississippi State plus the points, game under 61 total. Uh, no rebuttal for me there. I don't have a plan on this game, but, you know, obviously Bama coming off of last game, you know, this is a tough game that they're walking into. This is definitely not a cupcake game, and it's definitely a scenario where they do need to run it up, but Mississippi State could uh, smell some blood in the water maybe, you know, not to say that Alabama's going to lose two in a row, but Bama's defense, uh, granted it was against Heisman candidate Joe Burrows and LSU's uh, offense, but their their defense had a lot of flaws last week, and so I mean, uh, there's no reason why Mississippi State can't keep it close, and obviously we always talk about how unders and big spreads are correlated, so that would definitely be a correlation play, in my opinion here. I don't, I don't hate it. Greg, I mean, we're moving on to what is turned out to be a historic play. I, I really <laughs> might say a historic play, as I was on air 10 weeks ago telling you that we will be taking Ohio State first half every single time until we lose. And, Greg, if you asked me then if I thought we'd be 9-0, and nine college football games into the season on Ohio State first half, I would have said you're a fucking liar, right? Because we <laughs> could have been parlaying every single first half. Something special. We know that the boosters out there are getting their money's worth, if you know what I mean. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that because – 
like that's a thing in college football. It 100% is. Greg, Greg, Greg. Ohio State has not only have they covered every single first half, they have covered every single game since their opening game against FAU, right? And that game against FAU where they won by 24 points and the spread was 27 and a half. I'm looking back. So this is all the way back in week one. The FAU scored a late touchdown with eight minutes left. And then Ohio State scored. And then they, and then they held Ohio State to a field goal on a drive, obviously, with a touchdown would have then covered the spread. And then, you know, they, they then just went out to run out the clock. But since, since week one, They've covered eight straight games, and they've covered nine first-half uh, games. Now, now, could you say that Ohio State is just the great team that always covers? Like, yeah, sure. But, I mean, I'm just saying some of these scores that they have, when they can take the foot off the gas, they run it up, I don't know what is behind the rhyme to the reason. All I know is that they are 5-0 and against the spread in the last five. I know that Rutgers is 1-4 and against the spread in the last five. I know that Rutgers is absolutely pathetic. I know that this Ohio State team at home last week was up 42 to nothing on Maryland, right? So why can't on the road, could this Ohio State team be up five touchdowns and be up 35 and cover the spread that I see at 32 and a half and be up 35 nothing at home against Rutgers. I don't see why they can't do that. When when Minnesota came to the town, I understand that Rutgers covered the first half. Nonetheless, Minnesota won 14 uh, nothing in the first half. So if Minnesota's defense can shut out Rutgers' uh, pathetic offense, I'm sure as hell that Ohio State can. And, oh, yeah, the team at Ohio State was just up 42 nothing at halftime. Yeah, that Maryland team was up 27 to 7 at halftime. Again, I'm talking way too much about this play. It's <laughs> 9-0 in nine straight games. We're rolling with Ohio State first half once again. And it just, frankly, doesn't even matter the fact that they're playing Rutgers. Like, I don't care. We're going to take them next week first half against Penn State. And we're going to take them against Michigan. And if they go 0-3, then that was a great fucking season. Because on that bet that I said we're going to take every single week, that means we went 9-3. and and, and last time I checked... Nine and three. Uh, I'm not that good at math, but what's that percentage? Uh, nine out of 12. 75%. 75%. That's pretty damn impressive if I do say most. If you're hitting at 75%, you are doing something right in this business. So yeah, very you, much you, so. You, you can book Ohio State first half, by the way, going forward at the opening number, whatever it is, for the next three games. Let's go back to the SEC where I believe we have the game of the week, uh, and it is the Georgia Bulldogs visiting the Auburn Tigers for a 3.30 Eastern time kickoff in Auburn. Georgia, three-point chalk at a lot of shops, total of 40 and a half. And this is one of my favorite. I got two max plays. This is one of them in college football. Here we have my favorite crazy scenario in the college football playoff committee rankings over the next couple weeks. What happens if Georgia, or I'm sorry, if Auburn wins this game, and runs the table, which would also include a win over Alabama. Well, then obviously Alabama would be out with two losses. Georgia would still probably go on. I'm assuming they're going to still win the East and play LSU in the title game. But regardless, at two losses, with one of them to Auburn, it's a hard sell on Georgia. So Auburn also having that win 
on a neutral field against Oregon is crazily, I don't think, dead. I mean, it's it's asking a lot for them to win this game and for them to beat Alabama. But I think they're looking at Georgia being number four, and I actually think that Auburn's fired up about this because now they get an opportunity to beat a team who the college football playoff committee, as of today, would have in the playoff. And so you look at Gus Malzahn at Auburn, 9-0 and straight up after a bye. Of course, the Tigers had the week off. One of those victories off of a bye was the kick six game back in 2013 against Alabama. Georgia, as I said, up to number four in the college football playoff committee rankings. And how good is Georgia? Do we really know? I mean, they lost. They have the worst loss out of any of these teams at home as a three touchdown favorite against South Carolina. And I know they bounced back. And I know that they won the neutral site cocktail party game against Florida. But I just look at Georgia's resume and they do have the win against Notre Dame. They do have the win against Notre Dame. Close win. That that was a huge spread. They were nowhere close to covering it. Yeah, 17 point spread. They won by a touchdown or six or whatever. Something tells me that Auburn here is going to treat this like it's their national championship. And really, um, at home, knowing what's on the line here is going to win this game out of a bye. As I mentioned, the Malzahn trend off a bye. I just love the way this lines up for Auburn with a lot of things right in front of them, even though LSU is going to win the SEC West. War damn eagle. Give me the Auburn Tigers. I'm taking them on the money line, plus 120 for a max play. First off, let me put out there, this is an Auburn or pass for sure for me, right? It's tough, though, because Georgia is also playing for this season. So this is just such a tough game, right? Because Georgia loses this. They're obviously they, – they, they, then they're done from the college football playoffs. Sure. Auburn effectively, in my opinion, is probably already done, even if they can snag a win here and against Bama. And that's simply because they won't get to play in the SEC championship unless something – Sure, right. I mean, they could know, win those games and still miss. But my point was exactly. they actually would still have an inside chance. And no, they, Auburn, would, they would have the most quality wins. You're right. right. You're not, and, you're not they wrong wouldn't, there. They wouldn't really have a loss that would weigh them down. Their two losses are LSU and Florida. There's nothing to be ashamed about there. Both on the road. No, nothing to be ashamed about there. But I don't know if you remember weeks ago when I spoke about the Auburn and looking ahead to this Georgia matchup, it had such a huge implications of why I said that Auburn needed to beat that Florida game. Because here we are now sitting with Auburn their only one loss, you know, if they beat Florida, if their only one loss was at LSU, at oh, Death right. Valley, by a field goal, right? right? Auburn sitting here ranked number 12. Maybe we're seeing Auburn. So this would be an 8-1 Auburn team that beat that Florida team on the road. Greg, where – let's just talk hypothetical. Where would we see Auburn ranked right now if that was an 8-1 team? I mean, probably at number 6, right behind Alabama. Yeah, I was going to say top 6, top 7. So then this game, effectively, it's kind of funny how much that Florida game means, effectively would have then been for who is in the top four at the start of next week, right? But it's not because we know Auburn obviously lost to Florida. And Auburn is now down there sitting with two wins. And with the likelihood of an Ohio State, an LSU, or even a Baylor um, completing the undefeated season, the odds of a two-loss Auburn team getting in the playoffs are slim. Nonetheless... 
this is their season. If they aren't making the college football playoffs, what can they do? They can knock Georgia the fuck out of the college football playoffs. And I believe that they will get up for this game and do just that. I have not been impressed with this Georgia team. Like you said, they win a close game, I mean, tough opponent, Notre Dame, but they win a close game. Nonetheless, they, 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 they covered the spread against Florida, and I know it was a huge game, but still a close game. They lost that game against South Carolina at home. They, they haven't shown me... I test I, says I, they're not a playoff team. I think it's that yeah, simple, right? I, that's, that's, that's the word. The eye test. That's what I'm looking for. Thank you. The eye test. They've had some wins, but like I, I, they're, they're winning against Murray State and Arkansas State in the beginning of the season where they won by, by 50. Throw those out the window. Like I, I don't care about that. Tennessee, they beat by 30. Is Tennessee really good? Like I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see that. Then they lost South Carolina. Then obviously we know Kentucky and their struggles when they came to play Georgia. I mean, they had the backup quarterback and everything. So that 21 nothing wasn't even that impressive. And even last week, beating Mizzou 27-0. I mean, what has Mizzou done the last four, the last three weeks? Oh, yeah, they lost on the road 29-7 to Kentucky. And then they lost on the road to Vanderbilt 21-14. So I, I don't really see this Georgia team as a top four team. And I really hope that Auburn wins because I, I think that there's a better fourth team out there than Georgia. And I think that's Alabama. I really do. Well, <laughs> then Auburn will have something to say about that in a couple weeks. That's why I think Auburn is just such an interesting team here. I'm not saying they're going to win both games, but I just think there's so much that Auburn can change just by winning both those games. It's so unfortunate though. And they have the Oregon. Realistically, Realistically, they're playing to knock Bama and Georgia out because Most at, the end, at the end of the day, if we run let through the scenario, right? Let me ask you, Matt. If if let's say that Auburn does win both these games, I'll and, give it right now my top four is that what you want? Uh, assuming that uh, Utah then beats Oregon in the Pac-12 championship, could you put Auburn in over Utah? No. So this is what I'm doing. So are we gonna? Are we gonna? Uh, consensus assume that LSU and Ohio State run the table and win the and Clemson and Clemson right okay so so let's effectively assume that the three of the top five teams all year continue to stay there right right who is your fourth team now is it a two loss Georgia team no because Georgia lost South Carolina and lost Auburn so Georgia can't be above Auburn is it a two loss Bama team no because they lost to Auburn so Bama can't be above Auburn, right? So this is a now obviously if Bama is to walk in and win that game against Auburn, you bet your bottom dollar they're the, your number four playoff team right there. But going off your scenario, I actually think that that leaves the door open for a Baylor Bears team if you know this is another big if if they are to pull off the upset against Oklahoma, right? So, pull okay, the upset so against Baylor Oklahoma. Loses. So okay, so now we're getting okay. So now here's this is where the college football playoffs. It's only I think we can agree for the fourth spot is wide open because I do truly think. Ohio yeah, State, I don't see any of those other three not making it. Those three losing. I understand Ohio State is the big matchup against Penn State, but they're at home. They Which should win. Chase Young's going to play in now. Yeah, yeah. So he's going to play. They're at home. And Penn State is good, but they're they're not they're not great. And Ohio State's great, right? So I expect those three teams to make it. So then it comes down to. We just said you can't have Alabama and Georgia with two losses over Auburn since Auburn would have two losses and be in both of them. Right. So then is it a Pac-12 champion with one loss or is it a Big 12 champion with one loss? And in my opinion, 
you gotta roll with the Big 12 champ. Well, first off, if, if you have Baylor in their undefeated Big 12 championship, you can pencil that in right there because a Pac-12 one-loss championship is not going to get in over the Big 12 undefeated championship. So let's just let's just get that add that out there. Obviously, this fourth spot would have been Oklahoma's to lose had they not have dropped that game a couple weeks ago. Nonetheless, I do believe that Auburn could have a shot to get in over the one-loss Pac-12 champion, and that's due to the fact that they would have beaten a Georgia. They would have beaten an Alabama. They would have lost by three, only three on the road to LSU. So we can count these great wins. There are things that are good losses that count for something. That counts for something. Oh, absolutely. And, And obviously, you can't take away from the neutral field site week one against Oregon. So, and then the fact that they just played. That's why it's so fascinating because Auburn's resume is just chock full of these big games. It's chock full of it. And that's why I would have to, because it's just really tough for me to see Oregon, even with one loss, go in over Auburn when that one loss is to Auburn. So, so, so that's why when we had the discussion of how I thought it was so difficult for a Pac-12 team to get in, this is why. Because even if Auburn pulls off, well, what this if Utah win, were to win against Oregon, though? So, so here, so this is what I'm getting. So this one, so, so hypothetically, for a Pac-12 team to get in now, now that we've seen Penn State lose and we've seen Alabama lose, for the Pac-12 champion to get in, it would have to be Utah beating Oregon, right? Auburn would have to beat Georgia, and then Auburn would have to lose to Alabama. Because we just we just kind of agree that a two loss Auburn team is going to get in over uh, with that resume is going to get even in over, over one, one loss Utah when they didn't play head to head. I personally think so, and I think that goes into just the rankings of the conference and just the value that the SEC conference holds. But a one loss Pac twelve Utah champion would be a very very tough out against a two loss Auburn team. Yeah, you know. Here though, Talk to through, it's a really tough call. It's a- Auburn's not dead, and that's why I like them here. I love them. No, 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 no. Auburn, Auburn is not dead, but they don't control their own destiny. Sure. Well, they, well, they need that's... they need help for sure. Um, the, the 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 teams that control their own destiny, obviously, it goes without saying, are are Georgia and Alabama. I mean, Georgia, you walk in and you win this game. Hello, college world playoffs. You know, assuming no other road bumps. Alabama, same thing. You beat that game against Auburn. Auburn wins both these games. You do think it's, it's that simple for Alabama, where they win against Auburn and they'll make it? I do. I think Alabama is a one-loss team, and their one loss is for the number one team in the country. Because Alabama they- versus Oregon is the other debate I'd like to see weighed by the committee. So here's the thing, right? How can you put a one-loss Oregon team over a one-loss Alabama team when the one loss that Alabama lost to was against the number one team in the country, and the one loss that Oregon had was against a team that's not in the college football playoffs. Well, the only, hold on, hold on. Not only would it be a team that's not in the college football playoffs, it would have effectively been a team that Alabama went on the road and beat. So yes, it would be I understand that. But I would argue that Utah on a neutral field is a better win than Auburn, which is what Oregon would have if they win the Pac-12 and the better strength of schedule. Well, you think a neutral win against Utah is more impressive than a win on the road at Auburn? I don't, uh, I don't agree. The college football playoff committee is telling you that, yes. That's who? How, how so? Well, assuming that the rankings hold, winning against the number seven team in their rankings on a neutral field is probably better than winning at the, what's Auburn, 12? 
Well, no, but yeah, but why would Oregon jump Alabama if if they both win out? I don't, I don't, I don't see. Or- I think that the Utah win is better than any win that Alabama would have. I would believe that, and that was that's what the committee's telling you too. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I mean, that's also going to be that also could be false because if if you're right and Auburn beats Georgia, like you said, then Auburn will probably well, jump right sure. up to. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. I I just think that and the combination of a better strength of schedule and conference championship could make it a debate. You might be right. It might be Alabama anyway. Uh, but you know, the point is we've gone on a while here. There's a lot of scenarios. Auburn's not dead and they won't be dead. After yeah, this we got to, yeah, we, we got to get past this, Greg, because we got to get to the place. We'll just rattle off the rest of the college role place so we can get to the NFL because this is a good week in the NFL. I personally, the only remaining plays that I'm playing, um, is actually Iowa State minus six and a half. I snagged at home against Texas and Oklahoma first half, of course, against Baylor. Um, I do think Oklahoma is going to walk in and win this game. And I think they're going to be up by uh, two touchdowns at halftime. I think Oklahoma gets the job done here. And I think they really, really make their case for the college football playoffs with running up the score against Baylor. I really do. couple plays for me. I love Iowa at home. Very tricky spot for Minnesota. They have not won at Kinnick Stadium in 20 years. And Minnesota's coming off of a huge program win last week against Penn State. I question if they can win this game on the road. And you think about Iowa, yes, for most programs you'd be concerned because they can't go to the Big Ten championship game now that they lost at Wisconsin. But Iowa and Kirk Ferentz, there's just such a stick to and a buttoned-up way that they go about things where I trust them to still have a professional approach to these games, uh, which is why I thoroughly expect Iowa to get up. And this is a rivalry game as well. I expect them to end the college football playoff hopes for Minnesota. I like Iowa minus three and a half. Emotional win for Minnesota last week. They haven't won at Iowa in 20 years. It I is question- up to three and a half, by the way. I, I saw three last time I saw. Well, if I can get three, I've seen both. I was just saying that most people, I'm assuming the hook's going to be there. But take the three, three and a half. I don't think it's going to matter. I think Iowa wins this game by at least a touchdown. Buttoned up program that always plays you tough. Always a tough place to win at. Uh, so I'm not really that concerned about uh, you know a, a season dream crusher loss the way Iowa suffered last week at Wisconsin. I love Iowa to beat Minnesota. And then my last play is going to be Navy. I got him at plus seven and a half. I would also play this on the money line. I've been waiting for Notre Dame to kind of have a letdown game after that blowout loss against Michigan and and their season pretty much ended with that loss. I mean, no hopes for the college football playoff after they lost to Michigan. And here's a big rivalry game, which Navy historically, since they got off the schneid in 2007 and ended a long losing streak against Notre Dame, Navy's actually been pretty good in this short, you know, touchdown or less underdog role against Notre Dame. So I'm looking for a really close game at South Bend. I'm taking the points, and I'm also taking the price on the money line uh, for a uh, one-unit play as well. I think Navy's going to win the game. Let's move forward and quickly run through our NFL plays now. NFL Week 11. Matt, you like a big game in the AFC South. All these teams in this division are still in the hunt. And you're looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars as a three-point road dog. Nikki Six coming back to the huddle for the Jags. You like him catching the three against the Indianapolis Colts on the road. Make your case. 
Craig, this is an easy one for me. I, I think it's absolutely – I'm playing this on the money line too, by the way. Let's put it out there. Unless I'm – you know, I mean, obviously we got to see about Brissett. Do you, do you know officially – I mean, it's on Thursday. I, looking what? like he's going to go. Yeah, so, I mean, it, that's what I, that's what I th- thought. It's looking like he's going to go. Now, is he going to be full strength? I don't know about that. I mean, I've seen a Jaguars team. Obviously, Minshew was not bad when he was in there. This is an interesting case because usually coming off an injury is tough, but he's coming off an injury for a bye. So he's now been with the team, and the team has not, not to say they haven't skipped a beat, but they've been solid with Minshew in there, and they've been competing. They have the running game. They have a few weapons. Um, They have the defense. Obviously, they don't have Ramsey, but they've still had a pretty solid defense. And Greg, frankly, they're not out of the division discussion. It's kind of funny sitting at four and five. But they're sitting at four and five, and the Colts are here at five and four. And if they win this game, they're both at five and five. And now, obviously, the Jaguars have the tiebreaker. So give me the Jaguars team off a bye, getting Nick Foles back, who I trust, against a struggling Colts team. We've seen this Colts team have these quote unquote lucky wins to start the year. And it looks like maybe their luck is now running out because their last three games, they failed to cover the spread and they've lost outright in two of them. And they've been on the short end of the stick in two close results when earlier in the season they were on the right side of the close results. So we often see that in the NFL. So this just goes to show that a team may not always be as good as their record shows. And they've dropped back-to-back games against the Steelers and Dolphins, who I really truly don't think are too well. The culture banged up. I expect T.Y. Hilton to still be out. I think the Jaguars plus three in a close divisional matchup is a good play. Moving right along, let's go to Raymond James Stadium. Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting the New Orleans Saints. Tampa, six-point dog, total of 50 in this game. I like the side and the total. I like Tampa plus the six. I like the over 50. I think it's totally correlated. Doesn't look like Marshawn Lattimore is going to play for the Saints, the uh, shutdown corner, and that is a big reason into my handicap. Uh, you look at the Bucks. how do they move the ball? Well, they zing it all over the field with Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. I think both of them have big games here. And also, this line when these two teams played at the Superdome was New Orleans 3. So, to me, there's some mispricing going on here. What changed in the last month to where now New Orleans is a six-point road favorite? New Orleans just laid an egg against Atlanta last week. I don't get it. I like the Bucks plus the six. I think that they score enough here to stay inside the six, which also means the game goes over 50. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that would scare me here is that obviously um, – the, you know, the Bucks are um, uh, 0, and, 0 and 5 against the number in the last five um, and 1 and 1 and uh, but I, that's also in the number against the last seven. I would expect to kind of regress back to the mean. Yeah, potentially. Um, I, dude, Jameis Winston is just, he's. <laughs> well, that's, that's what scares me here. But. He's a roller coaster. I mean, he's a, he's a pick six waiting to happen. I, I but, I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I, I, getting six at home, I, you know, like you said, they just laid a goose egg. To the Falcons, you can look the other way and say the Saints are going to bounce back, but it's a for sure bucks or pass for me. And I, I can also not... make the case that the Jameis Winston side of things, that also lends itself towards overs. Because if you have a risk-taking quarterback, you're going to have big plays in either direction. So, uh, you know, I have a hard time thinking. Yeah, I over. mean, you, you wouldn't be wrong there, Greg, with the Bucks going over five games in a row. Um, 
Actually, excuse me, they've actually went over the total seven games in a row. So, you know, the over is not a bad look there with the Saints team who only put up nine points last week. I think you can expect them to put up some points here. The Bucks are always good for points. I mean, the Bucks totals have just been have just been stupid. Their points in the past couple weeks. 27 or 30, excuse me, they scored 30, they scored 34, they scored 23, they scored 26. And they scored twenty four. So and like, in their last like five I said, games, if Lattimore doesn't go. Minimum. Yeah, I mean, you know, Greg, talking through this right now, if Lattimore doesn't go, I, I like Bucks team total better than the spread. You know, that's then you're point. not worrying about what's going on. You got probably oh, got a team total. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, so that the Bucks team total could be an interesting point. Twenty one and a half is the team total I'm showing now. They've wow. went over that mark in the last five. Six, seven. They've went over that mark in the last seven games. Um, not a bad play, you know. I I, I, I like it. I mean, I'm gonna check back in on Sunday, but just talking about it, not a bad play. And on the flip side, they've allowed a minimum. It's actually funny. I'm saying it out loud. They've allowed a minimum of 27 points for the past for the past seven weeks. The 32 points to the Giants, 40 to the Rams, 31 to the Saints. 20 or 37 to the Panthers, 27 to the Titans, and 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 40 to the Seahawks and 27 to the Cards. So they haven't allowed less than 27. So I mean, with the Saints team total being, I'm sure 26 and a half, it probably is. Or 27 and a half. There you go. It's really, it's really close, but let's keep things moving though. Uh big game in the AFC potentially for playoff seeding. Uh, the Houston Texans, four-and-a-half-point underdog on the road against the Baltimore Ravens. Total in this game, currently sitting at 51-and-a-half. Matt, you like a side. Where are you going? Greg, this is a max play for me, Greg. Give me the former Clemson Tiger, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson will walk into Baltimore and slap his dick all over the Baltimore Ravens. Book it, Greg. Plus four and a half. Played on the money line. Plus 175. The Houston Texans will walk out of Baltimore. All we're talking about is Lamar Jackson this. Lamar Jackson that. Are the Ravens the best team? The MVP. You know what's funny about this league and about the NFL? When the Houston Texans walk in here off a bye and they walk out with a W, now all of a sudden, all the people that were just had Lamar Jackson's dick so far down their throat, it's going to all be Deshaun Watson. Oh, my God, the Texans are the best team in the AFC. Oh, my God, Deshaun Watson is the MVP. Like, it's just so funny with one game, snap of a finger, yeah. how quickly these people can just flip-flop to one guy. By the way, I'm going to go out on record and say I don't really care if Deshaun Watson even pulls out this game or not. My MVP is Russell Wilson, and he showed it on Monday night, you know, beating the Niners. And, I mean, I understand it's only nine games. They're still five or six whatever games ago. But Russell Wilson, my God, I mean, is he a magician? He's my MVP, and he doesn't need to prove a damn thing else. I mean, other than just make the playoffs. You got to make the playoffs because your MVP can't miss the playoffs. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that out there. Can't miss the playoffs. With that being said, why are the Houston Texans, for me, a max play? Now, Greg, is Lamar Jackson really as good as we think he is? What do you think? Uh, I think he's really good. Uh, and uh, I think he's really good too, Greg, but I beg to differ about some of his stats. Let me just let you in on some secrets. And by secrets, I mean these are just stats you can look up in his game log. 
versus the Miami Dolphins and the Cincinnati Bengals. So they have a combined record of two and 16, clearly two of the bottom three teams in the NFL. Lamar Jackson is averaging 14.8 yards per attempt. He has eight touchdowns and he has zero interceptions with a perfect passer rating of 158.3. In his other seven games, Greg, he's averaging 6.8 yards per attempt. He has seven touchdowns and five interceptions with a rating almost half as less at 83.7. I'm not saying that Lamar Jackson is not as good as we think he is. I'm just saying his stats don't tell the story because they put up 50 points against two of the worst teams in the NFL, and he had a combined eight touchdowns and zero interceptions in both those games. He just absolutely shit on the shitty teams. I, again, I'm not taking anything away from Lamar Jackson. I think he's great, and I think he will be great. And I think he ultimately can be a game changer in the NFL. I'm just saying slow the roll, and don't forget about the guy who's been doing it, what Lamar's been doing last year and the year before that, Mr. Deshaun Watson. And I don't think that he likes all this talk about Lamar Jackson this, Lamar Jackson that. How about him over there? He has his team sitting in first place in the division at 6-3. and three, And, oh, yeah, when they beat the Ravens, they'll both be at 7-3. and three, And then the Texans will now be above the Ravens because they'll have the tiebreaker. This Texans team and Deshaun Watson for his entire career. Check out every game Deshaun Watson was an underdog. Let me know how they perform. 4-0 against the spread this year as an underdog. Deshaun Watson, I, I apologize for not having the actual statistic, but I believe it's something stupid. Like, he's lost by over... Over a touchdown, I understand this spread is only four and a half. It's not a touchdown. But over a touchdown, like only twice in his whole career. He just plays close games. He finds ways to win. And, oh, yeah, these teams, you, you might think they're very similar. They got a running game. They got the running quarterback. They have solid coaching defense. What do the Houston Texans have? They have a playmaker in Hopkins. And I like what Hopkins it, it gives the Texans over the Ravens. I also – uh, I mean, I don't expect. I'm reading, and he should be back. Not definite. Should be Wolf Fuller. That would add a component to the Texans. Give me the Texans on a match play plus four and a half, and I will play them on the money line plus one seventy five for one unit. Let's wrap things up. Couple more plays from each of us. Uh, we both actually like uh, some angles in the Minnesota Vikings hosting the Denver Broncos. Uh, I like Minnesota first half, plain and simple. I think that Minnesota is going to look to uh, get in and get out, which means they're going to look to end this game early against a Denver team that it should handle. Uh, you know, If I had to play the full game side, I would look to Denver catching the double digits. But I do think that Minnesota will look to uh, get in and get out here in the first half. Minnesota has a bye next week. So I think the Vikings look to just uh, put the foot on the gas the first couple quarters and then put the car in neutral and get into their bye week. Not sure how the game ends. Pretty confident that the Vikings can be up by at least seven at halftime. I'll take the Vikings in the first half. Greg, not only do I like the Vikings in the first half, minus six and a half, to be up by a touchdown and or more. On the flip side, exactly your exact handicap is also why I like the Denver Broncos. Plus ten and a half full game. Four and one against the spread in their last five. I expect the Vikings to take the foot off the gas with a big matchup against Seattle as their next game. So they'll want to be looking for that. Um, I, I believe they have a buy in between there, right? They do. Yes. Yeah. Like so, I said, buy and then Seahawks. Yeah, for the buy and that Seahawks game. So this is a get in and get out. They'll 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 want to control this game and they'll be feeding Dalvin Cook and they'll have their eyes set on rest on on on, a, on their starting their bye week going into the fourth quarter. And you know, that really, in my opinion, for a ten and a half point spread, 
leaves a back door open for a Denver team that I've just never seen quit. This Denver team really does not quit. They are made up of players that do not quit. And and and, and frankly, they aren't that bad. They are they are a they, bottom they team. Sure. Don't get it twisted, but they play hard and they play competitive. Ten and a half. I think they can cover that. Sunday night football, I will go to Los Angeles. <laughs> It's the L.A. Rams hosting the Chicago Bears. Already tweeted this out at the key number of seven. I like the road dog, Chicago, catching the points. And the reasoning is we've heard some more injuries now for the L.A. Rams on the offensive line. And that in this spot is very concerning for me. It's a Rams team that offensively doesn't look to have much going right now. And it's an offensive line that is in a really bad state of affairs with a few more injuries and an offensive line that was one of the weaknesses of the roster coming into the season. So this spells like this, I'm sorry, smells like the monsters of the midway come back for Chicago, uh, you know, in a game that the bears really have to have if they want any prayer of getting into the wild card hunt. It's that's not going to happen, but they are going to be able to cover this number here. Uh, I can't lay this many points with the Rams right now. I think they're in a bad spot. And moving forward, too, with that Goff contract and that Gurley contract, neither one looking good, I'm not sure how quickly we're going to see the balance of power shift back to the Rams in the NFC West anytime soon. But as, as far as Sunday Night Football, I like the Bears plus the touchdown. Yeah, I'm just going to chime in a one-liner here. Goff is absolutely pathetic. Um, <laughs> it might end up going down as a worse contract than Jamarcus Russell, I swear. I swear. Wow. I'm, not even, I'm not even joking. He's, he's, he's bad. He's bad on the capital B. Uh, yeah, Greg, let's close this out. The bay, I, am, I am taking us to one of the more surprising teams over the last week. Uh, we are going to the Coliseum. Oakland Raiders and Mr. Gruden. They are playing the 0-9 Bengals, and it's safe to say that the Raiders will move to 6-4 and four, uh, on the season because they will beat the Bengals. But I'm playing the first half here, Raiders, and I am playing the full game over. I like both plays here. Let me tell you why. The Bengals, one, are pathetic, two. The Raiders have been good as of recent, uh, winning their last two. And, you know, even they even lost a close game to the Texans. Nonetheless, though, they've covered the last three first halves. They also have gone over the total four out of their last five games. The only game they did not go over the total was that game against the Texans where it landed on 51 and the total was 52. I like the Raiders to really open up the playbook here, get Derek Carr going, and give this fan base what they waited for all year. I expect a big victory. I expect the Raiders to be dropping 30 points. I'll be looking for the Raiders team total over also. That will wrap things up here on another edition of Full Slate. Hope you enjoyed some of the conversations in addition to the picks. We like to try and blend things a little bit here and give you a little bit of both. Matt, always fun. We'll do it again on Tuesday. Yes, sir, Greg. I can't wait for this weekend. Some big college world matchups, and I really hope that some 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 of these things shake out how 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 we how we think, and it just gets more and more interesting as 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 we get to next week. Everybody, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the college football hypotheticals, and please play responsibly.